From the east side to the west, this is From the Land, the Cleveland Sports and More podcast. I'm your host, Jason Gerber, and tonight we are still talking winning in the land as the Browns, Buckeyes, and Cavs all notch big weekend wins. On the road, we talk NFL Week 11 storylines, take a look at a maybe boring NFC playoff picture, and throw out some pumpkin spice hot shots. Off the field, we get a little nostalgic, talk changes, and then some maybe not totally not that great new music. I am joined tonight by two of the best ever. My co-hosts, Phil Danko and Chuck Rambaldo are here. Fellas, are Browns-Cavs doubleheaders just too much stress? For a Sunday, not if they end like today. That was fantastic. There was no stress in that Cavs game, unbelievably. But uh, yeah, I'll take two two W's on a Sunday. It was stressful around four o'clock or between three thirty and four, and then you come down a little bit, and then it kind of will ramp back up. But I don't think the Cavs have ever stressed me out the way the Browns have, unless it was like a deep playoff run or a championship series. Yeah, I agree. The Cavs game saved us from some real stress today because of the way they won it. But still, it was a stressful day. From beginning to end, but why don't we get rolling at home? We'll start with Skidmarks, our weekly look at the brown and orange road to the Super Bowl. An up and down week ends on a high note as the Browns grind out a win over the Steelers 13 to 10 with Nick Chubb and Jim Donovan back in the building. Browns are seven and three on the season and are in sole possession of second place in the AFC North, and we are celebrating our third straight white satin winning (laughs) show. Before we get to the game, what day this week did you first start to experience irrational confidence in what DTR could get done today? Wednesday? Was that? (laughs) I I think early on Wednesday, and I just kept replaying all the preseason I watched. I'm like, this guy looked great, even... Even though he got thrown in the fire, I made excuses for the Baltimore games. Like he only had 20 minutes to know he was starting. Uh, so I got a little irrational Wednesday morning. Yeah, I'm sure it, it was somewhere around right around the time they announced he'd be the starter and, and not Walker. Uh, we already knew that um, uh, Watson was out. So my irrational Browns brain went right to like, oh, we we could beat the Steelers because we do that so readily. Like, yeah, we, we got this <laughs> we we got all this. the time. <laughs> yeah, Same right. old Steelers. <laughs> Same old Steelers. <laughs> I'm glad that we're all in the same spot. The Watson injury was announced on Tuesday, and it was probably about lunchtime on Wednesday. They started to really believe in DTR, like, no, 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 he's got it. He's got it. We got this game. We can do this. He took care of us and made our irrational confidence justified. Why don't we get into the game? Give me your 60, your 60-second take on today's big win. It was all about this dominant defense, right? The the Browns' D absolutely dominated the first half. It was the most dominant 10 to nothing half of football I think I've ever seen. <laughs> it was kind of odd that it was only 10 to nothing. Uh, and that would come back to haunt us, uh, of course. But so the, the dominant D in the first half, um, coupled with a really, really, really conservative offensive approach. And I completely understand why that occurred. But DTR moved the, the team down the field in the first half enough. And had he just duplicated it in the second half, it would not have been a stressful game at all. And he couldn't. And that's okay. And then he takes the field with one minute left in the game and orchestrates a game-winning drive like he isn't a rookie quarterback which was amazing and I hope that just helps his confidence move forward but I'm going to I'm going to go back to the defense and I'll end it with this we gave the ball the Browns gave the ball to the Steelers with like a minute 40 and the defense stopped them on a 15 second play uh drive 
and we got the ball back. Awesome. Yeah. It just showed me two things that are undeniable about these two teams. The Browns defense is the best in the NFL and the Steelers just suck. They are just so bad. (laughs) Had we lost today and it felt like we could, it would have been a rough Sunday, but we didn't. So we're stacking W's baby. The team kind of continues to defy conventional Browns logic. It wasn't pretty. And it doesn't have to be. Uh, this is where I will echo Phil. Thank you, Steelers, for for drafting Kenny Pickett. And thank you for letting him throw three times in a row with under two minutes in the game and incomplete passes and us getting the ball back in under 20 seconds. TTR kind of played three games today. You know, the first half, he was a game manager. He was excellent. Third quarter till late in the fourth, just off and bad. Uh, then the final possession, four for four, four different receivers. While all that happened, I'm thinking the play calling was a little bit dumb kind of abandoning the run for uh, stretches in a game that they never trailed um, and had the kid throw 43 times, which I didn't realize until after the game. That's why I can't believe it was that many times. So they averaged fewer than four yards per play and lost a turnover battle, but style points. I don't care. Uh, Credit where credit's due. It's a huge team victory, even uh, with their flaws. This team is just different. No Chubb, no Watson, no left tackle, no right tackle, no middle linebacker, no free safety. And they still win with a rookie starting they needed to have a clean game and they got it one penalty one ultimately pretty meaningless turnover that was almost like a punt because that was what they were doing the next play anyway good tackling throughout the game except for maybe that one play Uh, that level of discipline was necessary and really impressive from the entire team give credit to the coaching staff good game plan even if it felt too conservative in the second half creative way of handling the offensive line issues with uh, Dewan Jones coming in and out, depending on the situation. The defense played the entire second half without Walker Jr., and you'd barely even noticed they played so well. A lot of credit to the coaching staff. DTR was better than his numbers. I think I counted eight dropped passes during the game. That's absurd. That's a ton. Hopefully he's getting better as the season continues, although we're going to get to it in a minute. Overall, it's always good to beat the Steelers. It's great to see somebody else only be able to run 15 seconds off the clock in a key moment of the game because that is such a Browns thing to have happen. Uh, So uh, a little fun with the ending there, but uh, nice win all around for the Browns. So who's your MVP? I'm going to list a bunch of people here and, and kind of bring it back because I don't know who made who made the decision, <laughs> but uh, I'm going to say Andrew Barry, Deep Podesta, Kevin Stefanski, or even Bubba, the special teams coach, because one of these guys are all of them decided Kate York just ain't it, no matter where he was drafted. And they realized this could be the difference in winning and losing games or making the playoffs. And they went out and got a guy. Uh, who I think is was one field goal, right? Last week, that's been about it. Other than that, it's nice not to be like we we talked about a little before. You still get a little amped up when he's lining up for that kick, knowing yeah. that this guy should be automatic from there. But uh, when it's all said and done, we're a little over halfway. I think that might be the best move of the offseason was getting rid of Cade York and bringing Hopkins in. I'm going to give mine to someone on the defensive side of the ball. I, I did have a kicker slant on this too, and, and deservedly so, right? But uh, the defense really, really showed out today. So I'm going to give it to Agbo Okoronkwo. He had five tackles. He had a sack, yeah. four tackles for loss, and a baby yep. boy yesterday. He had a baby hey. boy yesterday. How about that? <laughs> yeah. It's a good weekend. Way to go, Ogbo. He's <laughs> he's awesome almost every week. If, if it's not Hopkins, maybe that dude was the biggest pickup of the offseason because he's been just outstanding. I'm going to the staff still. I'm going with Stefanski. He is now 7-3 and three this season with three different quarterbacks. He was 
cautious and people will say he was overly cautious today but he was right the browns got the win in the end you've got to say that like he kept them where they needed to be to have a shot to win it at the end and they did give credit where credit is due man i thought he did about as well as you could in the circumstances with a rookie quarterback to come out of a division game like that with a win stefanski was the guy i also thought about just giving it to the entire team i did not think of giving it to all of the people who had a decision to bring in the kicker that's that's an interesting take well, on I, the mvp but I, I don't disagree with you buddy i, I mean I, I don't know who made the final decision or who brought it up i assume it was a little bit of all of them so i, I figure i should give all of them because how often are we going to say deep podesta on this show or give him some sort of an mvb i can't believe that you didn't throw the haslams in there too they had to be no, part no. of that decision right no no, no we're, we're still the browns are seven and three but we're still not buying the haslams <laughs> absolutely <laughs> we know that after the game this afternoon they confirmed that joe flacco would be signing to the practice squad for the browns and getting promoted eventually probably really soon to the active roster is dtr the man or just the temporary man until joe flacco learns the playbook I think the answer to that question is going to, unfortunately for DTR, might ride heavily on on what happens next week in Denver. I kind of, I would imagine he's starting in Denver. They're they're gonna they got to get into the scheme here in the next couple of days. So if he goes out there and and they get another another win, I don't know how do you bench that kid? Like he's he's in the playbook, right? He he's got the team around him, and then you've got a Flacco behind him that, if necessary, someone with experience anyway comes off the bench. My fear is that next week game next week's game looks just terrible win or lose, and then they make the move to Flacco shortly thereafter. I think they're saying all the right stuff that he's bringing just depth and mentorship in to the quarterback room. Uh, you, you can have mentorship still with with Watson there uh, if he's going to be there. I don't know when his surgery is scheduled for, but I, I like the move. It's, it's so different than what we've been used to over the past five years, including Baker Mayfield, because when Joe Flacco drops back, that's where he's staying. Like he does, he doesn't move well, you yeah. know. Uh, but but do I like the fact that there's a, a veteran presence there in the in the event it comes off the rails? I think DTR is there, dude. Like they wouldn't have moved him to the starter this week uh, if they believed in PJ Walker or they knew PJ Walker's limits. They don't know what DTRs are yet. I think if we see those limitations over the next couple of weeks, you you probably see Joe Flacco once he's comfortable with uh with the playbook, but for now, I'm I'm going to say what everybody else is saying that he's just here for depth and mentorship. I hope that's it. I'd like to see DTR get a chance to keep this job and and to keep winning games. There there were flashes today where he looked outstanding. You know, running the ball, he, he's an excellent runner. He was far more accurate on that last drive than he had been through most of the game. So if he can get that kind of under control, and of course just you know, more experience is going to build more confidence, I think. So I'd really like to see him stay the starter, but Flacco coming in is perfect. It's just a guy to be a backup. You need a depth. You need three quarterbacks. You don't want to left necessarily leave yourself in a spot where P.J. Walker has got to carry the rest of your season. So it makes sense to do it, but I don't see any reason yet to take DTR out of that spot. Make him the man and let him play. And like you guys are saying, if the wheels come off at some point and Flacco can come in and do something, great for now i like to see dtr stay in there back to the game let's talk about our browns bets what bet did you make on the browns this week so i started chasing because phil's been on such a heater i know me oh, too no. damn it yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh and and i thought it was an actual it is is a was a pretty good bet from what i thought but you're, you're still taking a shot here i had defense or special teams touchdown plus 1300 Ooh. so i figured Whoa. yeah with a with a 10k 
10k gerbuck bet i can get yeah. right back in this thing knowing that i'm not going to take some eight leg parlay like phil did probably and hit today <laughs> so uh i was happy with it and i thought this defense they, they might have to score to win this game but ultimately uh it's my first loss in three weeks so maybe i'll start chasing again next week i only had a three level parlay for the browns i saved my eight and ten level parlays for the Cavs. <laughs> lose those every time my i had a three level parlay for the browns today it was plus 500 money line cleveland check Miles Garrett, one sack. That happened on the first snap. Yeah, that had, that had to know. feel great. Yeah. <laughs> really Mari Cooper, 50 yards receiving. Oh. Oh. <laughs> Didn't happen. He had a pretty quiet game. day. So I had, same thing, three legs. Njoku, over 40 yards receiving. Check. DTR, 150 yards passing. Check. Jerome Ford, 57 and a half yards rushing and he had 31 at the end of the first half and then i only mm -hmm. think he had one carry in oh. the second half i don't understand why all of a sudden they yanked him and and didn't play him anymore but that would have hit for uh 41,000 gerbucks for me <laughs> if that one had hit so it would have been nice but yeah it felt great at the end of the first half i'm like i got this this is going to be just fine and then we never saw Jerome Ford again. <laughs> Sucks. All right, moving on next week. Browns travel to Denver to play the, let's call it, better than expected Broncos. I can't believe that. Preseason. Every single one of us picked the Browns to win except for Miller. I suppose he will be watching this one in his throwback Elway jersey. Anybody want to change their pick to the Browns losing next week? No, sir. Mm, no hesitation what's with what's with the hesitation my gosh the browns are gonna beat the hell out of the broncos come 13 on 13 to 10 <laughs> yeah, right. yeah, exactly. yes. 13 to yes. 10. maybe yeah. maybe 15 to 10 maybe they'll get credit for one, one of, of those the safeties, safeties they yeah. actually got yeah <laughs> all right we're all solidly behind the browns beating this rotten denver team next week in the mile high city but let's move on talk some more beating people in the mile high city let's move on to our sip of wine and gold our weekly Cavs recap Cavs finished their west coast trip at 500 with an ugly loss to the kings and a shorthanded win over the trailblazers Cavs came home for a different shorthanded win against the pistons and were shorthanded again tonight to host the world champion nuggets no Mitchell, no Karras, no problem. Cavs dominate Denver 121-109, and they are now 7-6 and six on the season. Before the season started, we talked a lot about Imani Bates. Should we have had more irrational expectations for Craig Porter Jr.? The point guard had 21 points and 4 assists tonight. He had 12 points and 5 assists in just 16 minutes on Friday night. Should we have been more excited for CPJ? Oh, I like that. CPJ. Yes, we should have, obviously, because these two games are going to show us exactly what we're going to get out of this guy the rest of the season, right? Um, <laughs> hey, all kidding aside, like today, today's game was... <laughs> Don't be a was, hater. No, not at all. Like Today's game, he was the reason that the Cavs jumped out to a big lead and kept it. Like He, he controlled the floor when Garland wasn't out there. He was making little fadeaway shots. He looked really good out there. He's a Wichita State shocker, so that shouldn't shock anybody, right? He's a shocker. First off, you talked about Imani Bates at <laughs> nauseum, not me or Phil. We just had to react to it. Uh, no, I, I don't think we should have been looking at an undrafted kid uh, and seeing how he would contribute, but I'm sure happy that he has contributed and may fill a pretty decent role moving forward. I think it's probably time, based on these two games, to think about packaging Mitchell and Levert 
<laughs> and, and moving them for some other pieces and just giving the show to to CPJ. You know what? He looked great. He's he's an aggressive player, and sometimes the the Cavs seem like such nice guys that you worry that they're they're missing a little bit of an edge, and he seems to have that. So whatever he can contribute is great, and he really had uh, a good week this week for the Cavs. What was the best part of Evan Mobley's week? Mobley averaged 18 points, 11 rebounds, 4 assists, and 1.3 blocks per game this week. Or Mobley passed high flyer Danny Ferry on the team's all-time list for blocks, but he is still 100 behind Jim Brewer, 200 behind Jim f***ing Jones, and about 1,000 behind Zadrunas Ogowskis. Which of those was the best part of Evan Mobley's week? Wednesday night was probably the best part of Evan Mobley's week. Like he's played well, but it seemed like he took advantage of more offensive touches when Garland wasn't in that game on Wednesday night uh, against the Blazers. He was plus 26. He seemed a little more aggressive. And we've talked about like, we, we want to see his offensive game evolve and it still hasn't. But I like that. That was my favorite part of this week for him just because you know, when you're missing one of those options, he seems to pick it up. I would just hope that he picks it up more, no matter who's playing with him on the court. I don't think we can celebrate passing Danny Ferry and block shots at all. Uh, that's that's <laughs> terrible. That said, I think we got a little bit more of the Evan Mobley this team needs uh, for the rest of the season, right? Where he he averaged a double double. He said his averages were what eighteen and eleven, something like that. He had a yeah. he had a twenty one and twelve game in there, and then the last two games were double doubles as well when they swapped out guards. So he's getting into that that double double mix where it's not 10 and 10 it's it's like you know let's double the the rebounds with point production so that's the evan mobley we need on this team and we saw it in at least three of these four games so hopefully that continues going forward i would say the first couple weeks of the year i thought i was disappointed with the way he was playing i mean you you obviously got to give him time to get into the season and stuff but i had wanted to see more offensive maturity from him and i think we started to see it this week like that's a pretty full stat line man it's like a poor man's LeBron stat line. He's effective in like four different categories and they do need it, especially if people keep getting hurt, man. They need another big time offensive guy and he's got to be that guy. A really good week all around for him. I am impressed that he passed Danny Ferry. You got to pass everybody before you get up to Z. So, hey, congratulations, Mobley, on that accomplishment. Next week, Cavs are back to the play-in tournament on Tuesday in Philadelphia against the 76ers. Then home again for the Heat on Wednesday, the Lakers on Saturday, and the Raptors on Sunday. Fuck me. Is there anything to be thankful for in this schedule? (laughs) No, that is a... uh, I thought maybe there'd be some relief after the first couple weeks, and this week maybe was it, even though you had to end up with the Nugs. But that's a tough, tough week with a holiday mixed in there. So is even Steven the best results? Probably. I think the only thing we can be thankful for with that schedule is that three of the four are at home. I think that's it, right? Yeah. And I agree with Chuck. I think a two and two week, that'd be good. That'd be really good with those uh, those teams coming to town. Although they did prove last week that they do not shy away from the bright lights of the in-season tourney now. So let's, let's take it to Philadelphia. True. Right? Let's do it. That's a brutal schedule. Every single one of those teams is good. And then you also have like LeBron coming home for a Saturday night game. That's a pretty big deal. This is going to be a really hard week for the Cavs. I hope they can they can stay even, Steven, and stay a game above 500. But fellas, with that, we are going to take our first break. We're going to come back, hit the road, talk some NFL. Welcome back, fellas, to our second segment. We're going to head out on the road, and we'll start with Week 11 storylines from the NFL. 
we will begin with some from the land humble pie. Last week, we all agreed unanimously that the Bills and the Bengals would make the playoffs in the AFC. The very next night, the Bills blew a their Monday night game against the Broncos. And then on Thursday night, the Bengals lost Joe Burrow for the season. Bills are on the outside looking in of the playoff picture. And the Bengals are now behind the Texans, the Colts, and they're only barely ahead of the Raiders in the playoff picture. So scale of one to five, one being John Madden in his prime, five being Tammy, who responded to the Joe Burrow news by telling me she thinks that's a made-up name. How much of an expert (laughs) do you feel like right now? I feel the same as I've always felt, and on that scale, I'm a four. (laughs) I've never been much of an expert, (laughs) Just just a fan. Four as well, but... We didn't see that Burrow would be out for the season when we were talking about that. He was playing really well uh, until he couldn't throw anymore. Lost that bet. Damn yep. it. <laughs> <laughs> That's a big issue, man. I that know. If they yeah, didn't report yeah. oh, absolutely. That, yeah. Yep, plenty of parlays and plenty of fantasy where they slotted him in there. And if they didn't report it, and they, they had that like grainy video of him wearing what looked like a bowling glove or something. Yeah, like that's exactly in. what I thought it was. Yeah. People were trying to describe it. I'm like, no, it's the thing that helps you throw the hook in the, when you're bowling. That's what he's wearing. The big Maybe that's ring. what they're telling people. That's yeah. what it was. He's like, yeah. no, no, no. He had just yeah. gotten done bowling. It, it wasn't hurt. It's pre-game bowling. Are the Bengals done now? Yes. And I say that confidently, knowing what the Browns just uh, went through, losing our starting quarterback for the rest of season two. The Bengals have put themselves in a division now almost, I hate to say this, but too far behind. Like they're five and five and they've got a, they've got a win with a backup quarterback and, and without the same kind of defense that the Ravens and the Browns trot out there every week and even the Steelers to, for that matter. So I, I have a hard time thinking they're going to climb back into the rankings in the division itself. Yeah, they got to be done, done now. And I hope that their front office is getting as much shit as Cleveland's did for not having a capable backup yeah. uh, in-house uh, in the event that that Burrow, who was hobbled coming into the season. Uh, yeah, I, I would assume it's just too tough a division for them to make any hay. All of that and the fact that they I don't think they've won a game in the division yet this year. Like They may already be 0-3 or 0-4 in the division. Like they're not, you're not jumping over the Ravens or the Browns to get into the playoffs or to get that division at this point with a backup quarterback and a defense that's not that great. Yeah, I, I have a feeling that weird play where he throws a touchdown and tears a ligament in his wrist at the same time. It was the end of the uh, Bengals season. Probably also the end of my fantasy season, too, since he was my quarterback, uh, well, one of my quarterbacks. Most important win of the day in the NFL. Texans got a nice win over the Cardinals this afternoon. Lions came back to get a big win over the Bears, or is it the game that's going on right now between Minnesota and Denver? If Denver wins, they get to five and five, and they're kind of in the hunt on the edges of it with the Bengals and the Colts. If Minnesota wins, that gets them to seven wins and gives them a pretty big advantage over any other team that's on the outside looking in. What's the most important win of the day? I'm going to go with the Texans win uh, with Kyler Murray back and he played well last week and played pretty well this week, but uh, CJ Stroud just continues to impress me that young offense and pretty good defense, a team that seems to be a few years ahead of schedule winning games that I didn't think they would win. I didn't think they'd be competing. I thought they would be better than last year, but this is, 
this is crazy that they might have a shot at that division if they keep winning. So I can't really buy into Broncos because they're going to get rolled up by the Browns next week. What a boy. And as much as the Vikings, I, I can't believe the Josh Dobbs thing can continue to last, but seven wins is, that's really great. I'll still stay with the Texans. I just can't believe in Josh Dobbs or we wouldn't have let him go. Browns never make mistakes like that. Ever. I was going to go with the Texans too because of of their standings. That 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 kept them one game out of first behind Jacksonville, and that's huge. Like you couldn't, you can't get too far behind that at this stage in the in the season. They're exceeding everyone's expectations, and yet they're right there. I mean, they're still in it for the division, and I think they have a matchup with Jacksonville coming up next week. Maybe I I think that game may, maybe a close second would be Detroit in a scary moment, actually beating the terrible Chicago Bears because had they lost that it would have bunched up the the Vikings and the Lions but I I, th- I still think that division is the Lions running away just given what's happened with all the other teams hard to argue against the Texans but I'm going to go with the Lions in part because it, it keeps them separate from this Minnesota team that right now is up 17 to 9 in the third quarter of this game against Denver and appears to have found a way to keep winning also like a team learning how to be good and a team learning how to win sometimes needs to get a win when they're not playing at their best. And I feel like that's what the Lions did today. I didn't get a chance to watch much of this one, but the Bears aren't very good, but it's a division matchup. It's probably akin to the Browns playing the Steelers in in the AFC North. So I think that's a pretty big win for the development of the Lions as a legit winner and you know threat in the playoffs. Let's move on. Weirdest stat of the day. Justin Herbert led the Chargers in rushing yards in their loss to the Packers today. Why do the Chargers suck? I don't know. They should not. I didn't know he led them. And they, I mean, Eckler is healthy and back, so you would think he would be their leading rusher. I, I don't know. Like, And I don't know if making a change right now with their coach makes any difference for this season, but talk about really underachieving the last few years. And even when they got to a playoffs and get embarrassed um, – and blew a huge lead right last year in the playoffs. Something's something's really wrong there, and somebody's going to lose their job. But I don't know if it, it should be right now. Why do the Chargers suck? I, I don't know. I, I guess their defense can't be very good. Uh, they're giving up twenty three points to the the Packers um, and and losing. I mean their their offense we thought anyway would be one of those teams that would put up nearly thirty a game, right? And they're just not doing that either. So you know maybe maybe uh, what's his name Staley needs to go and. You think you got the franchise quarterback, um, so you you get another you know coaching staff in there before this franchise quarterback's career is wasted. I'm not sure why they suck, but I'm definitely sure their coach is getting fired probably sooner rather than later. And I also agree, I don't think it's going to matter much for this season. I think they're four and six now, mm-hmm. and in the AFC, I mean, after we discussed it last week, four and six does not have you anywhere near the playoffs. You don't have a legitimate whiff of that right now because there's too many good teams that already have six or seven wins. You're three games behind those guys, and you think you're getting in? I don't I don't see it happening. So the, the Chargers season is probably pretty much done. All right, moving on. Week 12, non-Browns game. Which game are you most interested in next week that does not involve the Cleveland Browns? Well, I alluded to it earlier, the the Jaguars at the Texans. I, I'm interested in that. That That's a matchup that had you asked me before the season started. I'd be like, that sounds terrible. I don't I don't want to watch that game. Yeah. But now if, if it's in Houston and if C.J. Stroud leads that team to a win, they're tied for first with Jacksonville after that game. So that could get pretty exciting in that division. It's a weird week because there's football Thursday, Friday, Sunday, and Monday. But I'm going to be with Phil here because I think that 
that game is one I would I would seek out to watch because the division's up for grabs and we all thought the Jaguars would run away with it and they looked really good today again, but uh, the Texans find a way to win. So uh, if they can win that game, man, like that, that, that'd be as tight as a division as, as AFC North is right now for us, at least with two teams. But yeah, that one's on. I'm looking forward to not a bad choice. Good news. That's a one o'clock kickoff on Sunday and the Browns don't kick off until four. So you could watch that one on whatever way you have to watch it. If you want to, I'm going with the Patriots and the Giants. Oh God. Both of these teams are awful. (laughs) And this is a chance to find out who's really serious about trying to get the number one pick because the Giants can't win and hope to get a shot at that because by then they'll have four wins. Patriots got to show that they really mean it too. So that is going to be one of the great tanking games I think we've seen in the NFL lately. I'm looking forward to seeing it. All right, let's move on like we did last week, but we're going to flip it a little bit. Let's look at the NFC playoff picture right now. Maybe a too early look or maybe, to be honest, a too late look at this playoff picture. Even though we still have six weeks of games left, I think the NFC is probably pretty much set. Eagles and Lions likely to hold the one and two seeds, right? Yep. Yeah. 49ers and Cowboys both have seven wins. They're both getting in, right? Yep. Yep. Seven teams get in. That leaves three spots. Someone needs to win the NFC South. Saints are five and five. Bucks are four and six. Falcons are four and six. Who's winning the NFC South? I'm sticking with the Saints. That's who I think both me and Phil picked at the beginning of the year. Yeah, I'm sticking with the Saints too. I feel a uh, an eight and nine team is going to win that division. It's going to be New Orleans. I'm sticking with the Bucks. They get to play the Colts, the Falcons, the Packers, the Panthers twice, and the Saints. I like the looks of that schedule for Tampa Bay. <laughs> so I'm sticking with my boys down there in Tampa. One of those teams wins the South. That leaves two more spots. The Seahawks have six wins, lost a lead today, and loss to the Rams when Geno Smith went down for a few series, but he didn't get ruled out for the game. He came back near the end. I don't know. Can Seattle hold up if he's hurt? The Vikings are 6-4. and four. They're winning right now. It looks like they might get to seven wins tonight, but do we believe in Josh Dobbs being able to get the Vikings into the playoffs? And here's the real problem. If it's not the Seahawks and the Vikings in those last two, two spots, who is it? Saints? Bucks, Falcons, Packers, maybe? So are you betting on the flawed Seahawks and Vikings or are one of these other losers getting it? Assuming Geno Smith is is still healthy enough to to start for Seattle, I'm going to stick with Minnesota and Seattle to just end up on the right side of a winning record and put them in the playoffs by probably two wins in the NFC. I mean, the Seahawks missed a field goal at the end of the game. They, they would have won it. And they've played yeah. – Way better since early in the season. So I, I like you, Gerb. I'm a believer in that Seahawk team. They're definitely in. After that, I hope it's anarchy. Like I, I don't believe in the Vikings. It'd be great if the if the Saints, who I think will win the division, if the Buccaneers could sneak in because I thought they played pretty well today too. They weren't. It's not like they got blown out or anything like that. So after the Seahawks, I don't want to say the Vikings because you can't lose your quarterback and your best wide receiver, arguably the best wide receiver in football for an extended period of time. And still make the playoffs, man. The Browns should be in the NFC. That would be a much easier road. <laughs> would be the three seed right yeah. <laughs> now. I think I got to go with the Seahawks and the Vikings. I just these other teams are all so bad, and there's just not enough wins left on the schedule. 
like the the Bucks, the Falcons, and the Saints will fight it out. I think till the end for the NFC South. But whoever loses that division is not making it into the playoffs as a wild card in any way. It's really interesting. I think there is still a lot of movement to come in the AFC playoff picture, but there's not much at all in the NFC. I think this is probably going to go pretty much chalk from here on out. Moving on from the NFL, why don't we take some of our pumpkin spice fall hot shots, our hot takes from around the sports world, start in one of our favorite places. Let's get nuts. The Buckeyes took Paul Bunyan to the woodshed Saturday when Minnesota surrendered faster than Harbaugh in court. Buckeyes win 37-3. to <laughs> But what's really important is that in a matter of hours, it will be Michigan week. Who is winning the game? Oh, boy. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Cover your ears, Tommy. <laughs> yeah. I haven't had a lot of faith in this Buckeyes team all season. They just didn't. I mean, they've been winning every single game, obviously, right? But there's nothing. Their offense has looked good of late against subpar opponents. I guess what I don't know, I feel like the, the Wolverines have really good players on their team. They beat the Buckeyes the last two years. There's some rumors out there that they may have known what play was being called before it was actually being called. What? I believe that would give any team breaking news, any, any <laughs> decent roster, the decided advantage in that game. And you know what? If the football gods are watching, if karma's a thing, then the Buckeyes are going up into Ann Arbor and they're going to win this game in some heart-wrenching way for those Michigan fans. So I'm going to lean on the Buckeyes. I think they're going to do it. They're going to go up there and win. It might not be pretty, but they're going to win that game, and that's all that matters. You can't lose to Michigan when their head coach is not on the sideline, and they're in the middle of a gigantic scandal. Uh, if they lose up there, I don't see how Ryan Day survives, to be honestly, like because that'll be his third loss, mm. right? Third straight. Third straight loss, yeah. That can't happen. They make really good adjustments after the half. Like They, they seem like they're just hanging in there, and then they, they kind of pull away in the half. So they seem healthy enough. They're just as talented. Their defense is good. They've played a better schedule. In Michigan, I watched some of that game look pretty subpar against Maryland. So they better. That's the only way I should put They better <laughs> next weekend. <laughs> way to put your neck out there, Chuck. They well, better win. Not actually better. making a pick. I get it. <laughs> It's tough, man. I, I think this Buckeyes team has looked less potent on offense than we've grown accustomed to over the last decade of the, what this team has done. All the great quarterbacks they've run through this place, and they just don't seem to have it this year. But I can't pick them to lose. Shitty Michigan. Dump of a state. Get out of here. <laughs> go Buckeyes. They're going to go in there, and they're going to win by 20 in the game. I'm calling it. All right. Moving on. Tiger Woods announced that he will return to competitive golf in the Bahamas for the Hero Challenge next weekend. This is a 20-person event for charity. Woods is 47, has not played since withdrawing from the Masters earlier this year, but recently won a lawsuit brought by his ex-girlfriend. Is Tiger Woods back? <laughs> back, baby. Uh, no, he's doing exactly what we advised him to do some months ago. Just play in warm weather environments. It'll be better for you. <laughs> How many times has that question been asked over the last like seven years? Uh, yeah. And every time I say, I hope so. And it's, it's a good run to go down there with 19 other guys and a wonderful climate to keep your back and knee and elbow and everything else that's been wrong with him loose. So, I mean, I, I won't seek it out. I'll probably go online and see how he did and hope that he's going to be competitive when he needs to be, when it matters next season. 
Yeah, I'm not really sure we're going to get to see much of anything when it comes to this event in the Bahamas. This is like a charity thing. It's really kind of like a lot of fun for these guys. And it's kind of like the slow start to the beginning of the golf season picking back up. So we'll see. Can he get around the course without looking like a 70-year-old man? Um, if he can do that, I'll have some confidence that he can get into real tournaments and start playing. But otherwise, great to have him out there, but nothing really much to expect from him there. All right, F1 Racing came to Vegas on Saturday night. The race started at 1130 Eastern. Did anybody watch it? No, no. I saw they had some yeah. problems. Yeah. Yeah. Being somebody from Vegas, I can tell you there's always a lot of road work going on in Vegas, and it just seemed like that was pretty consistent. F1 had no clue before they Yeah, yeah. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. These roads, (laughs) these are terrible. Uh, Some really cool pictures of, like, the event and, like, how you set up an event like that on the Strip is just wild, and Vegas is really great for that sort of thing. So um, cool thing, I think, for the city, but uh, I was in bed by the time that one started. So fellas, we are going to wrap things up there. Take our final break, come back, head off the field and talk yesterday's. Welcome back fellas to our final segment. We'll head off the field and let's get a little nostalgic. Welcome to from the land yesterday's a look back and a look at change. The idea for this topic came to me because I made a big decision over the last week. I decided that Zach Bryan was replacing the Counting Crows as my second favorite band of all time, ending a 25-year run for the Crows. So, of course, like the decision's not a big deal. I don't think the Crows are going to miss me or lament the fact that they're not number two in my rankings anymore. (laughs) But I think the fact that there's a change after 25 years is a pretty big deal. So think about this. When was the last time, other than when your kids are born, that something new took over a top three ranking in your life? I'll give you a moment. Uh, This is is an out there question. (laughs) Something new. I'll try here. Uh, Something new became a top three. 20, 20 some years ago, moving here, not knowing a whole lot of people and going to uh, Erie Otter hockey games. And they, they won the OHL championship that year. And I realized that hockey is way better in person than it is on TV. So uh, I became a huge hockey fan then and probably became, it's probably my favorite sport to watch in person live. Uh, Trump's baseball, Trump's football. So that's a pretty big change, even if it was 20 years ago. So I'll go with that. Hockey. All right. That's a good one. Yeah, that's pretty good. I, I mean, I have a lot of change in my life that has climbed the ladder in terms of my rankings over the years, but to get to get into the top three of something that's uh wow. Well, I'll, I guess I'll in, in vague terms, um, there was a recent change over the last four or five years uh, with part of what I do in my career, part of what I do for work. And that change sent me halfway around the world multiple times. So that, and from a work environment, that was absolutely in the top three coolest things I've experienced at, in my career. Danko just outed himself as a CIA agent on the show, <laughs> man. Oh God. <laughs> See, and that's, that's the thing is that like, there are very, very few things that I would say over the last five or 10 years, like have, have changed that like get into that, like high ranking for me. I'm, I mean, you can think, I guess you can think of like life things. 
I was thinking a little more in lines of like music and movies and TV and stuff like that. I, I see where you guys are both coming from, uh, for sure. Like those are good examples of things that like have changed in your lives. Now, what's your favorite movie? Good God. <laughs> uh, number one favorite movie of all time. You can't uh, answer this. No, I love movies, man. I oh, love man. movies. In fact, I, uh, my oldest son and I dug through a box of DVDs in my attic the other night that I haven't opened since I moved here. And there's like 500 DVDs in there just so we can watch Goonies. And we found it. We found <laughs> right. it. Yeah. Yeah. It was awesome. Uh, I love movies. So it's, it's hard for me. Um, number one favorite movie of all time. Wow. I could go. I mean, nothing wrong with saying like tombstone or Shawshank, right? Like that's nothing right wrong. There. Yeah. Right there. Yeah, like those yeah. are, those are like one a and one B in my mind most of the time. And, and, they happened at a time where we were all watching movies together. So I'll, I'll go with, uh, I'll go with tombstone. We, we should be friends. One A and one B are the same. So I'm going to go the other way. <laughs> there you go. Uh, it, it changes obviously as we're all huge fans of movies and, and watch them. And if you say what genre and then pick your favorite movie, I'll say Shawshank never get tired of seeing that yep. movie ever. It. it always makes me feel good. My favorite movie since we were like 17 years old has been the Shawshank redemption. I remember sitting in the back of theater six at the chagrin cinema after I had finished a shift and watching that movie and walking out, like I've never seen anything like this before and it has never changed. And the big question I think that comes from that is, has anything come close recently? Um, there's been movies that have blown me away, but I wouldn't watch every time they were on TBS, you know, like, uh, cause just cause they, they felt different or looked different. Like I, like most Christopher Nolan, like the first time I saw prestige, I was like, my mind was absolutely blown. Would I watch it again? I, I don't know. Like, oh man, that ready player one kind of blew my mind too, just because of the way it was shot and all the pop culture stuff, but nothing is approached. The, the rewatchability, I guess, is what makes them my favorite movies. Like I'm always going to watch Rocky three when it's on. I'm always going to watch tombstone when it's on. I'm always <laughs> going to watch Shawshank redemption when it's on, but no, Nothing more recently has, has come close to cracking my top five. How about that? Yeah, I, I think uh, we've all seen some pretty good movies, really good movies for that matter, over the last five years. Um, but I think what Chuck was alluding to there is right. If it happens to be on network television, are you stopping what you're doing and watching it? Even though no matter where it's at in the movie, you know, you can pick it right up in your brain. You know exactly what's happening, be it Shawshank or Tombstone. So I don't. I cannot, for the life of me, think of a movie I've seen in the last 10 years that I would put in the same category as those two in terms of rewatchability. I think it's kind of, to me, it's like a bigger question than that. It's like you've, you watch all these movies, you, you see all these things, you, you're, you, you care about this stuff. You care about movies and stuff like that. You pick one that's your favorite and it's always your favorite and it's your favorite for any number of reasons, but it's your favorite. I'm somewhat blown away by the fact that the movie that was my favorite movie when I was 17 years old is still my favorite movie. And there's no question about it, even though I've yeah. seen a yeah. ton of often awesome movies since then. And it never changes. It never changes. It's always been Shawshank since we were in high school um, and nothing has come close. 
that there hasn't been like I was trying to think of it, I was trying to make a list of like God, great movies I've seen in the last 10 or 15 years. And like the prestige is a great one. I love that movie. And I would mm-hmm. even put like the Christopher Nolan Batman movies yeah. were fantastic yeah. movies. They're great movies, but nothing, nothing replaces Shawshank for like how good that movie was. Uh, and I don't know. I don't know if that makes like the, the Zach Bryan thing more impressive somehow to me that like somebody can come up with something new and kind of crack my like top three like that to me it's kind of strange because i don't quite understand how something new becomes good to us zach bryan is 27 years old Um, i was 27 years old in 2004 what is it that he's doing that is somehow relatable to me or, or to us, if you think about it like that. Like, what, what is he doing that's relatable to us now, even though we're 20 years older than this guy? I don't know. I guess the, the way I relate to his music anyway is um, he sings about – you forget that he's 27. Like, he he has this view of, of life experience and those kind of things that I don't know that I would have been able to articulate the way he does when I was 27, right? Uh, and it's a lot of a lot of things, you know, from his, his upbringing, you know, relationships – life, whatever. Um, so I don't know, like, I guess we can relate to that because we've all gone through similar things that he's singing about. I mean, that's pretty true to any artist. So then what, what in your mind anyway, what propels him to number two? I don't know. His beautiful blue eyes. I'm, I'm not sure. <laughs> well, that's not true. I don't know. <laughs> it's a really weird question because I'm thinking about it as, as you're talking about Shawshank Redemption. Why do the three of us love it the first time we saw it when we were 17? Can you imagine seeing that for the first time at 27 or 37? Yeah. And, and there's a lot more life lessons for people in those age groups than yeah. there is for us at 17. That's why that's why it's like it's completely blows my mind because it's a very adult movie. And we were not adults that we were no, <laughs> we were the, no, we were the barely now. Very, barely now. <laughs> it might be the same thing with, with Zach Bryan, why he's your your number two. Uh Shawshank Redemption makes me feel a certain way. It, there, there's, there's a feeling throughout that movie, um, and there's a payoff to it. And Zach Bryan, I think we've all had interesting lives to be 46 years old and gone through whatever we've gone through. And there's a relatability there. There's something in his melody and his lyrics that you attach yourself to that you hear differently throughout time. That's why for me, Counting Crows will always probably still be number one or two or in that top three, because I hear things differently depending on where I'm at in my life. And I think Zach Bryan's that kind of artist that you're, you're going to gravitate to something differently six months from now that you were like, man, I didn't really hear it. Then I hear it now. It's the same kind of thing with Springsteen. Like I, I hear stuff now that I never heard when I was 30, when I was 20. So, so maybe that's why I, and I can't put him at that level. Like you're, you're putting him towards Springsteen. Because I, I like him. I've never really loved Zach Bryan like that, but maybe that's it. There's just something there. There's layers that peel away for as minimalist as he sounds sometimes that you just feel and relate to. That's also interesting because, first of all, he's there's a large gap between one and two. There's always been a very, Good. very large gap between one and two. It's, it's, he's, not, he's not close to one. Nobody ever will be. But I think part of the reason why and I had this idea like two weeks ago. And so I started listening to a ton of Counting Crows and Zach Bryan over the last two weeks because I, I wanted to figure out whether this had really happened. And I finally decided like, yeah, it has. And one of the biggest reasons is, is because 
to me, the Counting Crows were so great at like romantic heartbreak. And I listened to it at a time when, as you guys probably remember, um, things weren't going well with for me with women, <laughs> you know, with girls that I was trying to date who weren't interested. That was a long run there. And like my life is so much different now. You know, we've been married 18 years. It's either 17 or 18. I'll check with Tammy after the show. <laughs> the show knows. Good idea. <laughs> but I mean, it's a long time to be very happily married. And I think I've lost some of what, what I related to in the Crows. And that's, that's why it's like the, that the music just doesn't hit me the same way. Maybe Zach Bryan is singing about a loss that is uh, broader than just like a romantic one. It's, it's life. It's, um, you know, the guy's been in the service. He's, he's lost friends in war. He lost his mom. And, um, it seems like there's a, maybe more there that's relatable now. I don't know. I think it's really strange that like a 27 year old can write songs that hit somebody who's 46, but maybe that's what makes him like a great songwriter. Um, Springsteen was 25 when he wrote born to run. How the f did he know all the things he put in born to run? Do you think any of this has to do with our general level of being judgmental? Uh, and do you think you've gotten more judgmental or less judgmental as you've gotten older? I'm sure this has to do with our ability to be judgmental. Sure. I mean, we're judging things. We're ranking things. That said, me personally, I think I've become much less judgmental as I've aged. I've become more judgmental as I've aged, um, much more. And maybe becoming a father later in life, too, has has something to do with that. My experiences are way different now than most of our friend group who went through this 10, 15 <laughs> 20 years ago. <laughs> uh, so I'm, I'm more judgmental. I know that, but I, I, as it relates to the first part of your question, I'm not, I'm not sure how, how to answer that part. I'm not, I'm not positive. I think I've definitely gotten less judgmental. Maybe I've gotten more judgmental about things like, like entertainment, like TV and movies and, and, and music. Like, I think I, maybe I think about it more critically now than I used to. Um, but in life in general, I think I've gotten like way less judgmental. You know, I, I think a much more understanding and empathetic of other people and their perspectives and, and stuff like that. Yeah, at least I hope I am. That's From the Land yesterday's. Thanks for taking kind of a weird walk with me, guys. I know the, I, I left you totally yeah. unprepared for what we were talking about tonight. I did that on purpose because I wanted to, to kind of see where it would go. But let's, let's have a little bit of fun. From the Land, old ears. Our original angel, Dolly Parton, came out with her first ever rock and roll album, Rockstar, and I'm going to start this with a disclaimer. We love Dolly. She's an icon. By all accounts, she's an amazing person. With that said, scale of one to five, one being stuffing on Thanksgiving, five being a Second Amendment debate with a drunk uncle during pumpkin pie time. How much did you need Dolly's rock album? <laughs> five. Because I'll leave the other part for Phil because he loves to trademark the TB7. So I'll let him do that. <laughs> yep. Chuck's not wrong. It's a, it's a Burke 7. It's a Burke 7 there. I did not need this. Um, but yeah, on your scale, it's a 5. I, I I don't need any of that discussion, and I didn't need this rock album. Uh, I'm a very, very solid 5. I definitely didn't need the album, and I definitely didn't need it to be like 26 songs long. <laughs> like, <laughs> 
My gosh. All right. What was the most good and terrible song oh. on the album? I knew you were going to ask this, so I kept, I kept trying to <laughs> I didn't. Like, yeah. like, all right. If he asked me what is the one good song on this two hour and 20 minute uh, disaster or rock album, so I kept thinking like, all right, when they, when they played like night moves, that was okay. No, it wasn't because yeah, Chris Stapleton was in it. Like his part was cool. Right. Like that was all right, I guess. But I just, my, I don't know if I have a song that I thought was really good. I just kept thinking that. Oh, Dolly, it's good and terrible. So it's still bad, but it's good. They they were all trying to figure that one out. <laughs> good. Well, all right. So I'll stick with night. No, some because, of them were terrible and terrible. Oh, there were. I was about to say. I was about <laughs> yes. to say there were a lot of terrible and terrible tracks on this. I kept thinking she needed to call Mick Jagger and get his AI voice uh, going, or however, however he did that on his album. But I'll go with Night Moves then because I think uh, at least that was with Stapleton. That was kind of it's still rock. It's a rock song, but it's kind of Dolly in the country way, like the lane she should be in, right? With Stapleton. So I'll say that was good and terrible. Man, <laughs> might go with night moves too. I, that or like heart of glass. I think I gave that forty seconds, where most songs only about <laughs> twelve to fourteen. So I'll I'll, I'll just be different from. I'll go with heart of glass. I'm going with love is a battlefield. Oh no, by Pat Benatar. I really like Pat Benatar. I met her once, so I like the way that one sounded. Of all of them, um, that was the one that I think I actually listened to from beginning to end, maybe more than once. Cause I gave this some effort I can't believe you guys barely listened to this. I gave this some effort this weekend. All right, moving on from the land, new ears a guy named Wyatt Flores released an EP this week with a song on it called wildcat. Can you guess why I had you listen to this one? I have a pretty good idea. <laughs> I, feel, yeah. I feel really bad bringing it up. <laughs> I, I listened to it once. I'm like, oh my God, this is Gerber's theme song from high school. And then I listened <laughs> to it. I listened to it a second time. I'm like, yep, that's it. That's it right there. Chuck, did you figure it out? Yeah, yes. By I think by the chorus. The only difference is Gerber's not six five. That's the, like, literally <laughs> the only difference here. So yeah, I I got the parallel very quickly when I listened to the song. Finally. Finally. Somebody has written about the guys on the bench enough writing songs about like the winners and the studs and the guys who go out there and like play like heroes and stuff like that. How about the guy on the bench who's just looking to make jokes and make people laugh? I love the fact that this guy wrote this song. Are you interested in more Wyatt Flores? Uh, I was. So I, I listened to a bit more. I really like some of his stuff for a guy who was never on my radar. I think this is like the second or third time, Gervs, you've done this to me where I think I know a lot about what's out there. And all of a sudden somebody comes out of the blue and go, Oh man, this guy's really good. I like the unapologetic country feel to some of his stuff. So I was like, yeah, I like it. Yeah. I'm, I started listening to the rest of that album when you sent it. Cause it was only 22 minutes long. It was, it was shorter than some perfect. of Dolly's entire yeah, perfect. Song. Yeah. 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 So I, I'm, I'm definitely going to dive into his, uh, I think he's got a couple other releases, other singles and things like that. So I'll listen to it. I enjoyed it. Um, I, didn't listen to anything else but this album and it's like four or five songs but it definitely had like a theme through it you know and like it was it was interesting and the guy's pretty good songwriter so why flores i'm gonna check it out but wildcat it's a great song that the world needed and i'm glad that we got a chance to listen to it but fellas we are out of time i am out of questions for now and we just did the whole show without mentioning that 43 million turkeys will be eaten this week on Thanksgiving. But 
on average, another 19 million turkeys will be eaten on Easter. With that news that things may have gone a lot different if Judas had pulled the good side of the wishbone. I hope you guys have a great week, a great Thanksgiving. <laughs> Let's get together and do this. Oh, Absolutely. I, I was under the understanding we would not be talking about religion. Right. Yes. <laughs> With that news that in four years of high school religion, Sister Nancy never once mentioned turkey at the Last Supper. I hope you guys have a great week. Let's get together and do this again real soon. With that news that maybe that whole three-day thing was just a food coma from from too much trip to finish. I hope you guys have a great week. I'm sorry. With that news that my dream of adding more mashed potatoes and gravy to spring break is finally getting closer. I hope you guys have a great week and let's get together and do this again real soon. That's all I got. Oh, man. Those are all good. Very good. Why don't we get to it? Yeah, let's get to it. Denko's been dying. Denko was trying to talk to me about this before you got on, too, Chuck. Denko really, really (laughs) wants to talk quarterbacks. I'll, I'll tell you what, like, when I told Tammy that, like, Watson was out for the season, she's like, oh, no, that's Denko's quarterback. That's really funny. We didn't. Damn it, Danko! Come on, you're in the middle of the cut. You could have kept going. <laughs> you cut that you're part the out. <laughs> the only reason I would agree with you that I'm in the middle of the is because, in my view, I'm you're above me and Chuck is below me. Wow, <laughs> Chuck's catching a stray there, man. What did he do? <laughs> well, I needed it for the joke. <laughs> That's all right. <laughs> <clears throat> But if you're their fan base and you're watching Pickett instead of Trubisky and Najee Harris most of the time instead of Warren, you got to go like, oh, I know. What are you doing? I was so happy every time Harris was in. I know. Oh, this is great, man. We don't have to worry about this dude that nobody can fucking tackle. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, So you've got, yeah, you've got the two guys that are on your roster as backups, but they're probably better producers on the field. And you're going to, you're going to stick your draft picks out there. You drafted them. Yeah. Hey, you love to see it. Hey, I'm, still I'm just Matt fine. Canada. They're still blaming their offensive coordinator. That's that's all I've heard all season. And then even after today, like a couple of Steeler friends, like, yeah, now we've now can we just fire Matt Canada? I'm like, yeah, it's definitely your offensive coordinator. Yeah, fault. yeah, for sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, somebody gets somebody gets blamed for the play calling on the 15 second drive. Oh yeah, that's, yeah. Oh. that that's yeah. We've seen that shit oh. happen so many times Here. to the Browns. Um, I was laughing when it was happening. I'm like, they're going to throw again? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Keep three doing throws. it. Keep doing it. <laughs> to Deontay Johnson every time, too. I think all three uh, were to him. Yeah. Yeah, it already updated here. So, yeah, five and five. Mm. Denver and then, yep. So, yeah, they're Minnesota's at seven, but they still have two more wins than the next person. Yeah, that's that's the thing is, like, there's <coughs> the Vikings can like back into the playoffs here. Yeah. Because like who's like the Packers are eight, the Rams are nine, the Falcons are ten, the Buccaneers are eleven. I mean no, like four. the Packers no, four will lose. Wins. They they have the Lions on Thanksgiving, so they should yeah. lose that game. Yeah. 
because I assume that's a home game for the one. Don't they always play at home on things? So. Yeah, yeah. NFC sucks. NFC Even sucks. I think except the Super Bowl for champion will probably come out of yeah, the- except yeah, for the Eagles, yeah. right? Yeah, right. right. Yeah, and and the Lions, of course, are awesome, but. And the 49ers. 49ers are pretty Cowboys. good. Cowboys yeah, might be There's four real good teams. Yeah, there's, <laughs> there's four real yeah. good teams in that conference. Yeah. And then it falls off, yeah. After that. So if the playoffs were to start today, the Browns would play the Dolphins in the wild card game. Remember when, when it was Jacksonville? We all thought that was way better. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It'd be a fun matchup, though, because they score a ton of points. The yeah. Browns have a great defense. So. Yep. We got a pretty easy. Well, no. But but Tua and Pickett are basically the same guy, you know. And so I think we just do the same thing <laughs> to the Dolphins and we do the Steelers. <laughs> There's like, well, if if they do have to play them, you want that game in in Cleveland in the weather. You need to slow down that team. Yeah. They are yeah, track. But we can't, they are but it track wouldn't, team. But it wouldn't be because the no. Dolphins would yeah, win their yeah, division. Yeah. Yeah. So the top four division winners. So unless we catch the Ravens, the best seed we can have is is five. Yeah. So you got to catch the Ravens, though. Now, we, it, as Gerber was saying, if we accidentally slip down to six, it's a better matchup because we go to Jacksonville. But yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Except right. a game like today where he doesn't yeah, play at all. Right. Yeah. And, and then, they're and great. Then, and that's great. That is that the that was my like semi blasphemous thought as I was watching tonight's game was are are they better without Mitchell on the floor? You know, are they or or do you get do you they're... get the best not maybe that the not the necessarily the team is better, but do you get the best out of Garland Mobley Allen? when when mitchell's not there and is that is that like a huge problem um like they're all too deferential to him or i don't know what it is but they look they look really good today <clears throat> you know are we starting to see that it's when garland and mitchell are on the floor together it doesn't quite work yeah. you know like yeah but then yeah. then you're i mean there's only so many minutes oh you gotta you gotta put craig porter with... jr in the starting lineup <laughs> that's right that's right. Put Garland on the bench coming and off about, with Levert. Uh, what's his name playing today? Um, who's the white Imani dude? Bates? No, no, Imani. I can't. I still can't believe he's even on the bench. Um, <laughs> no, uh, Merrill. Merrill got a ton of minutes today. Yeah, hit some threes. Yeah, you know what? There, there was a point in the game where they they really felt like they could, as best you could, control Jokic because. They had Alan Mobley and Dean Wade out there, and those are three really big fucking dudes, man. And um, Wade can play a little bit of defense. Thank God. Did he yeah. get did he get in foul yeah. trouble? Yeah. Did he- you yeah. guy bet a quarter and won fifty four grand. That's nuts. He won it. Yeah, it was like oh, a twenty some wow. leg parlay. It was like yeah. some twenty some leg parlay. Crazy. Yeah. That's some nonsense. All right. Uh, yes. Let's ah, do it. He's a tired guy. Yeah. Fellas, this yeah. was a lot of fun. Yeah. I love getting wins and then talking yeah. about it. Um you guys have a great week. Have a happy yeah. and awesome yeah. Thanksgiving with yeah. your families, man. I'm sure Everyone I'll hear from you between now and then, but yes. um I mean, I'm sure I'll hear from you tomorrow. 
But anyway, <laughs> between now and then, I hope you have a great Thanksgiving. <laughs> All right, brothers. Have a good All night. Right, love, All right, you guys. love you guys. Love you guys. Love you guys. Bye. See you. Funny, funny like a clown. You didn't use you.